0: It's the JT The Brick Show.
1: And now Jacoby Myers spinning around. He throws it to Tamar Jones of midfield.
2: And step Jones racing towards the end zone. it's scores. Oh, my goodness.
0: Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio.
1: Now he leans towards the line, gets the snap. Raiders bring a blitz. He takes up off the middle. And he's wrapped up from behind. Guess who? max crosby with the sack as he races over to the far sideline
0: your silver and black home to sound off for over 20 years
1: open adams at the 35 racing to the 20 10
0: touchdown raiders and now here's jd the Brick. welcome
3: back everybody jt here brought to you by the 872 laborers led by tommy white they built the legion stadium on time and on budget And they're building, building, building in Vegas because Vegas builds and they do it right. And people come here, it's conducive to business. Vegas, the 872 laborers, back with us again, proud partner of our show. So our new show, new season kicks off on Tuesday. We'll do that on Tuesday, September 5th. My wedding anniversary is September 4th. We're off on Labor Day. Actually, tell us. We're off. No, no. Well, I want to come on. No, no, no. We're off. Everybody here deserves a day off Labor Day, and we'll be back on Tuesday, and we're right into the grid. Uh, on Tuesday, our one of our big insiders, Paul Gutierrez, is on Tuesday. Haven't talked to Paul all summer. Give him a time out. Give him a break. No need to talk. He does so much, so much content. We'll get him every other Tuesday along with our other insiders that come in. So we're spacing them out. It'll start. And plus, I have two Denver Bronco guests lined up. Okay, well, play-by-play voice, Dave Logan, Brandon Cristal is going to join us. We'll dive in with the voices of each team. I'll try to get a lot of the play-by-play voices to come in. Uh, this hour, we're going to spend some time talking about Gil Brandt, one of the NFL's greatest minds, passed away today at the age of 91. Had a big impact on Vegas because he worked at Sports Fan Radio Network. And Gil did so much. He is credited with being the first in the NFL to use computers to enter number grades for prospects at each position and evaluations for the NFL draft and the first to test prospects' mental makeup under pressure through psychological testing. That's what Gil did. So much so that he got a gold jacket. He's in the Hall of Fame and he wasn't a coach. He wasn't an owner. He was a contributor in a massive way. Brandt said the Cowboys had a system in place that, quote, if we would follow the computer, we'd do it all right. And now look at the world today with computers and what's happening. And Gil Brandt was the first to see that. So you can't tell the story of the Dallas Cowboys or the NFL without Gil Brandt, and he had a big impact on the life of Al Davis, and Al Davis had a massive impact on Gil Brandt. I reached out to Mark Davis today on the passing of Gil Brandt with my condolences because Gil knew everyone, all the owners around the league. So today, you know, Gil helped Jerry Jones in his first NFL draft in 1989 when the Cowboys selected eventual Hall of Fame quarterback Troy Aikman with the first overall pick. Then Jerry fired Brandt after the draft. But the two men remained friends, and Brandt selected Jones to present him into the Hall of Fame in 2019. That's pretty heavy. The guy that fired him inducted him into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Let that sink in for a second. And this came from Jerry Jones today. Gil Brandt set the standard for all scouts and personnel executives to follow and aspire to in the NFL. Jerry Jones said when he accepted the offer to present Brandt, at his induction, quote, Gil changed the NFL in the draft room and is more than worthy of this recognition. So with all of that and what he did with Tex Scram and the America's team of the Dallas Cowboys, that's a huge loss today here as we open up the show. Zig Fricasse joins us from NFL Radio, Mad Dog Sports Radio. Longtime friend. And, Zig, I met Gil probably right around when I met you when we were at Sports Fan Radio Network. We had that connection with him.
1: JT, always a pleasure to be with you, my friend, and yeah, I mean, and for me, it's extra uh, personal because having grown up a Cowboys fan like I did, you know, over the years, you learn about the legend of a Tom Landry, a Tech Schramm, and then Gil Brandt. So then when you finally meet and then befriend one of your heroes and then became a mentor, a confidant and everything like that. And I think half the wardrobe at one time I owned was uh, care packages from Gil. Uh he was a genius, a mastermind, a you know, just a total innovator to the scouting, the draft aspect of the NFL. He is a loss, but we celebrate because his life was grand indeed.
3: Yeah, it must be an important day, obviously, for the family that we're in at Sirius XM and you at NFL Radio. Worked with Alex Marvez, yourself, everyone on that channel for uh, well over a decade into a long period of time from the birth of the channel. He was very important as the lead NFL insider, and also, uh, even as he got older, Zig, He was on the road a lot at training camps, preseason. The guy had a work ethic like no other.
1: JT, I'll tell you, they do the uh, training camp tour every year, and the guy just kept going and going like in his 80s. And I think even people would call in on the show and ask, Gil, how do you do it? He's just he had that insatiable uh, appetite for football and you know j t even after long after his uh evaluation days, like you mentioned, he was a consultant he was with us uh for nearly twenty years and you know even though you know he wasn't in the league directly per se, Bill Belichick would seek his counsel mm-hmm. Jerry Jones, the man who fired him in eighty nine they became close friends. Jerry was his presenter at the Hall of fame. Jerry was a confidant to him, so uh, even though he was out of it, if you will, for over 30 some years, his impact was still there with the people running the game today.
3: And Zig Fercasi uh, joining us as we talk about the life of Gil Brandt. Now, I'm going to jump around here, but I want to mention this because when I went and in, when I was at the induction of Ken Stable and recently Cliff Branch, they passed away both much sooner than we expected and they weren't there at their Hall of Fame induction and it was great that Gill was able to be alive it took too long he should have been wearing a gold jacket for 20 plus years before that it took way too long but when he put on that gold jacket and we saw him in Canton touch on that and when you bumped into him after that and you could call him hall of famer
1: yeah and you know even before that JT uh, the night before they had a uh, special party for him and you know, with friends and all that, and I had a chance to chat with him then, and you just tell that uh, it was the crowning glory to a mm. career that you know featured, gosh, twenty straight winning seasons, uh, eighteen of those years in the playoffs, multiple championship games, five Super Bowls, two Super Bowl championships. But uh, I agree with you; he should have probably been in long, long before he actually was. But when that. Day came around. It was uh, super special uh, because it was the crowning achievement because mm-hmm. I think there was – he did everything else, JT, except wear that gold jacket. Once he did, then you could say everything was complete.
3: Zig Fregas, our guest. You said that beautifully because some people don't need a gold jacket. If John Madden didn't get one, you know, that would have been – it would have been an injustice. But John Madden went on to a brilliant broadcast career. He Absolutely. won a Super Bowl, a coach. But for a guy like Gill. Gil, I think, the getting the gold jacket proved how great he was. And that's important in the contributor category, that if you're not a head coach and you didn't play in the game, what is your path to the Hall of Fame? And Gil had a beautiful path. Uh, First memories for me, and again, you know, I go back to Sports Fan Radio in 1996. And when I got hired, and I remember that the studios in Tropicana, Gil would be there. And I know that Charlie Barker hired him and the people behind Sports Fan Radio and they would bring him out to events in Vegas and Vegas is nothing like it is now with an NFL team and the Super Bowl here but Gil would come out there and i just remember when i was brand new at this didn't know how didn't know anything he loved to talk football with everybody. He respected my opinion early. I was asking him questions back, and he was easy to become a friend with. And I don't say that often in the business we're in. Sometimes you meet someone, you're like, hey, we're good. I know you at radio, you're not going to be a friend of mine. We became friends with Gil, and Gil really cared about our our lineage and what we were going to do with our careers. I know you'd agree with that.
0: Oh, I,
1: I couldn't. I don't know if I can add anything to that because that's the way – that he was, and you would get the phone call from him and just say, Zig, how you doing, man? And then everything like that, everything good. And then he'd say, you know what? Let me tell you something. I always love that draw. Let me tell you something. And I always remember that. He says, uh, you're doing a great job. And when I heard that from him, JT, with due respect to program directors, your producers and everything like that, when Gil Branch said, you're doing a good job, (laughs) That was enough right there. It was like my big pat on the back for the yeah. day. And when when you got a legend like that, who both of us became friendly with and a colleague with. Mm -hmm. Don't get much better than that, my friend. Yeah, it
3: doesn't. I'd be on Radio Row, and he'd be getting ready to go do a Radio Row hit, and I'd say, Gil, we good? Yeah, just tell me when. i go whenever. And he'd come back 20 minutes later, an hour later, and we'd sit down and we'd do 10 minutes, and it was just fantastic because he was always up to speed. Wrapping it up with Zig Fragasi, while I have you here, a couple of issues. First with the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys are a Super Bowl team. I'm either picking them to win the Super Bowl or to win the NFC because Philadelphia's schedule is just harder. Even though they're in the same division where Philly Philly has to go through that November gauntlet, I think the Cowboys can sustain that. All they got to do is beat Philly by one game. They'll get a home playoff game. Philly will be the wild card. I'm banking on the Cowboys this year. I love their roster, but then Jerry just messed with Dak by bringing in Trey at least a little mentally – do you like the Cowboys as a Super Bowl contender, Zig?
1: I think this, this is about the time to be able to do it, because I think their window is right there. Those offseason ads of Brandon Cooks and uh, Stephon Gilmore to the offense and defense, respectively, mm-hmm. still have some issues, JT, in terms of depth on the line. Tony Pollard, is he fully back from that injury, suffered in the playoffs, and the run stopping if Mozzie Smith is the uh, plug guy in terms of the interior run defense, if they shore that up, there's no reason why they can't at least get to an NFC championship game because, quite frankly, the NFC isn't as strong as the very loaded AFC is.
3: And last one for our Raider fans listening here on the flagship. If you look at the star players they have, Max Crosby, Devontae Adams, Josh Jacobs is back. Jimmy Garoppolo should have at least one Super Bowl now. He was very close. He's completely healthy. And the Raiders did spend some capital on the defensive side. Marcus Peters, they got a new safety. Epps comes over from Philadelphia. Where do you stand with the Raiders? Because you have a knowledge of all rosters on NFL radio. A lot of the NFL media doesn't. Do you give them a little bit of an upside because they got better, or are they just going to be in trouble because they have to run that gauntlet in the division?
1: No, that's always going to be tough. I mean, in the AFC West, they got an exor- they got to exercise the Mahomes demon. But if they do that, you know, I, I think they're they could be on par with the Chargers. And obviously, uh, at this point, uh, Denver with the new head coach—does that marriage work with Sean Payton and uh, Russell Wilson? I, I I like what the Raiders have done. Uh, I'm hoping JT that for your sake and everybody else's sake in Vegas that they get back to at least contending for a wild card spot. No, by the way, I've been on that Aiden O'Connell train a little before <laughs> everyone else was. I love that kid. Don't be shocked within the next couple years he winds up being the starter out there.
3: No doubt. Zig, I know it's a tough day for you. You and Gil, were tight. Uh, we'll toast one tonight for Gil Brand. I promise you I'll do that, and I look forward to having you on again.
1: Anytime, my brother. Thanks for having
3: me. You got it, Zig Fricasse. First guy I thought of today when Gil passed away. I thought of my uh, boss at SiriusXM Steve Cohen who does a lot at NFL Radio. I reached out to him and Zig and Charlie Barker who was our program director reached out to Bobby on this earlier today. You know, Bobby, uh, you were there at Sports Fan Radio pretty much there early on too and you're running shows and you're producing and you're running the board and there were a lot of times Gil Brandt was sitting in front of you.
4: You know, there's a funny thing. I don't know. I don't I don't think you even remember this. I don't remember if it was ninety eight or ninety nine. Mm. We we used to bitch constantly because we were like the overnight show. We could never get a live guest to save our souls. And we would complain about it constantly to the bosses and all that kind of thing. After a couple of years, we finally got one live guest, Gil Brandt. Yeah. We got him once a week, I believe it was on Thursdays at about mm. the ten twenty break. Right. And we would and we would call him and I would get him every week. Dude, it was about, what, quarter past 12, 20 past 12, Dallas, Dallas time, time. yeah. And he would come. He'd be there. He'd be ready on the phone, ready for you, Bobby. Anytime you're ready, blah, blah, blah. Every, and
3: he never missed a damn week that whole yeah. year. Yeah, no doubt. I forgot about that. I appreciate you saying that. He was an insider for us. And, you know, I ended up getting Jim Brown, the greatest football player of all time, for five years on an exclusive. I had Gil Brandt. I co-hosted the Pete Rose Show with the all-time hit king. Those were years I'll never forget. It really made my bones work in those hours, those long hours. But the opportunity to meet people and build relationships with guys like Gil Brandt—that that was a difference to me. And I have a heavy heart today. I have a heavy heart today because I saw Gil at the Oakland Coliseum. I saw Gil at every Super Bowl that I went to Radio Row, and most importantly in Canton.
4: And the one thing I liked about Gil is he was always cool. About it. when I call him up, he was mm, yeah. always nice, nice guy. There's some guys you call him; they're a little dicey, they're a little flaky. Mm. Gil was always straight on the money, ready to go, no baloney.
3: Yeah, you're right. You uh, you take phone calls from callers, and you have to take calls, and you have to f- reach out to people that are supposed to come on radio, and sometimes mm-hmm. they forget. Sometimes they're cranky. Sometimes they're not in the mood. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of the above. All of the above. Rest in peace to Gil Brandt. I put up a post on Facebook at JT the Brick, and, again, nice to talk to Zig Fracassi for a few minutes. We're going to have the brew crew. Ray Brewer at the bottom of the hour. He does so much here in town with high school sports, high school football, high school basketball. Uh, Bishop Gorman's got a huge game on Friday night. They ranked number two nationally. And when I moved to town, back to town full-time here in 2009, I've been here a long time, but 09 is when I moved back. And when Gorman won the national championships, the mythical national championships, I was there in the crowd for that. And then my son... Uh, played four years, three three years at Gorman, uh, Final year, his final year varsity, won a state championship on the offensive line there, and I love Gorman football, but now they're back. Now they're back nationally, and they got a game coming up here we're going to preview, and what's interesting about Gorman and these teams, they have to win every game, and that's why they play this tough non-conference schedule because if they don't play teams from out of state and top-ranked teams, like the sixth-ranked team coming in here, they can't win the national championship. you got to beat Mater day or Bosco. We know that. But you also have to have two other games, and now Liberty's good and Liberty's competitive here in this town. But for years, Gorman would just slaughter everybody here in town, not even be competitive. I love when they play these national games against Florida schools or teams that come in from Hawaii or anywhere else around the country to see the best of the best. And it's good. If you haven't been to a Bishop Gorman high school football game, go. If you're, in, if you're anywhere in town and you hear my voice or you're at a market and you're coming into town, you go to Fatita Field, you go to that stadium, you see the television cameras there, the lights when there's a national game. It truly is fantastic. Uh, no one's called in today on the over-under for Josh Jacobs' season carries. I said it at 290. Over or under on Josh Jacobs getting over 290 or under. Last year, he had 340. <laughs> I mean, you kidding me? Are you kidding me with the numbers that he put up last year? Those were monster numbers for him. Can he do it again? I think he can. He'd have to be completely healthy, which we predict he will. Why wouldn't we? And then he's going to have to uh, stay in the game. Instead of Zeus coming in the game, I think Zamir White is going to be able to spell him and come in and get a couple of carries, a couple of important carries in games. I'm not just talking throwaway carries when Josh needs a little bit of a break. I'm talking big carries for Zeus. Last year, Josh Jacobs, 17 games, 340 carries, 1,653 yards, 12 touchdowns on the ground, only two fumbles on the year. And receiving-wise for Josh Jacobs last year, he had, seven, he had 53 receptions, 400 yards even, no touchdowns. I was shocked by that. I was shocked that Josh didn't have a touchdown coming out of the backfield, and I think that's going to change. I hope that changed. Follow me here. Close your eyes unless you're driving. It's first and goal at the four. Devontae's wide left. Jacoby Myers is to the left in the slot. Michael Mayer's on the right side at tight end. Could be blocking and staying in, but on the right. Next to him is Hunter Renfro, And then far right is Trey Tucker. In the backfield is the great Josh Jacobs. Wow. Wow. I'm talking first and goal at the four. You got four shots to get in. What do you do? First down, do you hand it off to Josh? See if he can run in, part it with the blocking, touchdown. First down, do you throw a high point pass to Devontae? If there's not a safety over there and he's one-on-one, how about a fake pivot throw? How about moving your hips and faking to Devontae, and then Jimmy just going, boom, Michael Mayer, four yards, by himself, sitting down in the end zone, touchdown. And how about the great Hunter throw? on a release where he ducks his head to the left, pivots to the right, and goes down low and gets a touchdown? How is this team going to be stopped on first and goal at the four with Josh Jacobs, Michael Mayer, Jacoby Myers, Devontae Adams, Jimmy Garoppolo, Hunter Renfro, and Trey Tucker on a fake jet sweep. You can't. you got to get to the point. you got to get to the point where you look at this offense and go, they can't be stopped. Forget about a Carlson kick. We're going for it on four downs in a row. We're only going to need two to get in. And maybe Josh Jacobs and the train behind Jakob, the fullback, is the way to go. But don't tell me this offense doesn't know what to do. No, no, no. no. This offense has the plays. Run the play. Run it perfectly in practice and run it in the game. Get in and out of the huddle quickly. Be violent up front with an offensive line. When we come back, Ray Brewer will join us at the bottom of the hour. Looking forward to talking to him about this high school football season that's upon us. And he'll also tell you about the NFL players from the Valley here in Vegas. I got the state of the team tonight for our great season ticket holders, PSL holders, the owners of the tickets of the Raider Nation, state of the team tonight, and you'll be able to catch that. We'll tell you all about that. I'm ready to roll. Big day today in the Raider Nation.
2: Yeah, I like where we're at. Um, I like the guys that we have on our team. I like the group we have in the secondary. Um, Got a lot of trust in those guys, and I I see, you know, what we've been bringing to the table every day in terms of work ethic and coming to work, and, you know, I like that about our group, and, you know, I feel like we just got to keep at it and keep keep growing and, you know, getting better every day.
3: It's Marcus Epps. We count on him to have a big year. He played all the games with the Eagles. The Eagles went on to the Super Bowl. So he's got to have everyone lined up right. He's got to make plays. He's been locked in with Trayvon Merig, which is a big deal. I'm excited about that. So, overall, I think that the safety position is above average for the Raiders. I think Epps is a player that you take from another team because another team that went to the Super Bowl, that being Philadelphia, can afford to lose him. You know, they can, they're going to lose players. When you go to the Super Bowl, you're going to lose players. Philadelphia looked around and said, okay, you know, Epps is the type of player played well for us. You know, he's not a Hall of Famer. He's not an Eagles Hall of Famer. If he goes, we can move on without him. But for the Raiders, they took someone who played a lot of football last year, a lot of snaps, in big games and hostile environments and came through. And he's got to do that here now. He's got to pop. This is his team. Okay, the Raiders brought him in to be an exceptional starter that's going to line everybody up right and kind of control the chaos. There was a lot of chaos last year. Because the Raiders just didn't have enough players who were fast, explosive, and smart enough. Well, Epps is brought in to be one of those smart players. Good segue to one of the sharpest guys I know. Ray Brewer has been in this market a long time from the Las Vegas Sun. He covers high school football, UNLV. He knows professional sports. And the best part about Ray is he knows everyone in town. And everyone knows how professional he is, especially with the charity work that he does here. Ray, good to talk to you again. Hope you're well. The family's well. How are you?
0: Oh, JT, pleasure to be on your show, brother. I appreciate the uh, the great intro, and I'm glad we could bring high school football to the airways, brother.
3: No doubt about that. Before we get to that, I was reading the paper at home today with my morning coffee, and I saw that you put out some of the players from the Valley who are in the NFL, and that's really important to me because people know this is a baseball town, Chris Bryant, Bryce Harper, but knowing that there are football players coming through the system out here and making it to the NFL, tell us about that.
0: Yeah, it is. It's great. We've got a good dozen uh, Las Vegas products in the NFL, and it's it's not just Bishop Gorman. It's you know Lawrence Guy from the Patriots who went to Western High School, or Ramadre Stevenson from the Patriots who went to Centennial High School, or Foothill High's Miles Killebrew who's like uh, one of the best special teams players in the uh, in the National Football League, and it just it goes to show how how good we are at, at high school football. And when you see all these recruits coming in, uh, college recruiters to to get kids, it, it's powerful to see. And uh, we, we play good ball here. It, it's really awesome, man. Yeah,
3: I see Will Hernandez, Chaparel, some of the the locals here that are out there. You mentioned Killebrew and what he does. No doubt about it. And Ronnie Stanley, I want to go back to Ronnie, getting to know him a little bit in his years at Gorman and watching him play. He... He kind of had a Hall of Fame career going. I'm not reaching there. Hall of Fame career going, but he's got nicked up the last couple of years. I'd really like to see him get it back on track again. He's an underrated player, but not amongst his peers. He's a big guy, and when he's healthy, one of the best to play the position.
0: Yeah, I hate that he had that leg injury yeah. in the last two years. Glad that he got the big contract right before he got injured. And I remember Ronnie coming up. He was one of those guys that played football and basketball for Gorman. So nationally ranked program for two sports, and he was a key player. He could have went D1 in basketball as well. Great kid, super competitive, long arms, went to Notre Dame, had a great college career, was in the national championship game as a a true freshman. And I'm hoping now that he's healthy, he could kind of help be a a spark there for the Ravens, get Lamar Jackson up tight. OBJ, I think the Ravens have a great chance this year, and I think Ronnie's a big part of that.
3: Ray Brewer's our guest, so the rankings are out. Number two, Bishop Gorman, 2-0 ahead of the National Showdown with number six, Miami Central. Big deal Friday night here in town. Uh, global coverage, especially in the world of streaming, where everybody can find a game. The significance of this is it looks like Gorman is back once again to be a National Championship contender.
0: Yeah, you know, Matt, modern day's number one, Gorman's number two. They were supposed to play this year. The game had to get canceled because realignment. And you, you just, you know, you know, Gorman's going to bring it on Friday against Miami Central. And it's going to be interesting to see how that shakes up the rankings um, as the season progresses. But to get a top five win is, it would be huge. And, you know, there's a lot to like about Gorman, JT, and their initial two games, They've scored on 20 of 22 drives, only punted one time. Uh, they've got a great quarterback, four-year guy, Micah Alejado, who's going to Hawaii, very accurate in his passing. Tailback, uh, Micah Campana, who's going to Michigan. Right, When do you mm-hmm. see Michigan getting a running back from Las Vegas? And this offense could just score at will, fun to watch, and it's going to be a great night of high school football because Miami Central is as, every bit as athletic as you think they would be.
3: Mm-hmm. Ray Brewer's our guest. So tell me about a realignment because, you know, with kids at Gorman and being involved in the community here, I didn't like the blowouts and what was happening in the regular season. I know you have to play the teams here in the Valley, and some of them were just absolute mismatches, and I was never a fan of that. As a matter of fact, it bothered me. And I like when Gorman plays an outside schedule, a national championship type of schedule. Even if they lose, they're out there taking on those games. What's changed over the last couple of years in the state of Nevada with realignment, the pros and the cons?
0: Well, the the pros are is that it created more classification, so there's going to be more state champions. And you're still going to have eight teams that are paired with Gorman. Three or four of them are legit Class 5A, great programs, who are playing national teams, Liberty, Arborview, Desert Pines, who have a chance. And then there's a few teams – you know, Coronado, that, that shouldn't be there, but by the unluck of the draw, they are. Mm-hmm. But realignment's given teams like, you know, Green Valley High School and Faith Lutheran and Palo Verde and Canyon Springs that, that, you know, had flashes of success in the last decade, but their program has just kind of fallen off, a chance to rebuild, compete for a state championship because before it was like, okay, Gorman's going to win state, and everybody else is kind of playing for second or they could predict when their season was going to end and realignment is going to just get more champions. Unfortunately, Gorm has kind of built this national brand and it is attracting kids from all over the region to come play for him, which is perfectly legal, right? You move for better opportunities and the rest of the Valley just can't keep up with it. And, Gorman is head and shoulders better than everybody else right now. It's a well-oiled machine, but, you know, Liberty's got a ton of D1 kids. Arborview's a great program with Matt Gerber. And what Tico Rodriguez does down at Desert Pines in northeast Las Vegas is nothing short of, 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 of spectacular, right? He's got a program of 30 kids. He's sending a third of them to major D1 schools every year. And they're just not afraid to line up against anyone. They kept Gorman close last year for like three quarters. And uh, just a ton of talent spread out through the Valley, which is why we see a dozen or so kids on NFL rosters.
3: Ray Brew, as we wrap it up. You know, Ray, when you look at kids who are moving in from California, no state taxes here, an opportunity to play there, family relocation and all of that, it's nice to see – star athletes and even young student athletes who aren't stars having multiple opportunities to pick different schools to play at it used to be if you want to play d1 you're going to have to go to gorman then liberty comes on and they're another choice and you're going to see other ones i want all the youngsters and all the young people that are moving here or are growing up here to have multiple choices to play somewhere where they're comfortable with and you know, We know people are going to move in from out of state to play for Gorman because they have D1 aspirations, and that's a good thing because you, you might be able to have D1 aspirations at a smaller school, but you wouldn't have the coaching that you would get at some of the powerhouse schools there. Do you feel like it's balancing out a little bit more and more and more parents in the Valley like the choices that they have set up in front of them?
0: So you, you bring up an inter- interesting point with coaching. Um, the bottom line is that there's so many schools now you know, when I was a kid growing up here, we had twelve schools and every school had, you know, eight or nine real quality coaches. They were on campus. And as the valley's expanded, there hasn't been the amount of head coaches to keep up with it. But with that said, a lot of these men leading these programs are are great guys and they're you know, they're 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 working with you know, unlimited or with limited resources, mm-hmm. right? They don't have access to great uniforms or the weight training facilities, but what they do have access to is is really inspiring and motivating kids. And like, you know, Barry Odom, the new UNLV coach, he's visited every single high school in town to find these kids. So if you could play and if you could get a coach that motivates you, I think they're going to find you. It's just, you know, it's not as easy as being, you know, on that field Friday night for Gorman against Miami Central when everybody's going to be watching.
5: And, Ray,
3: that's a good way to wrap it up with UNLV football. It it seems like they have the right guy. I've loved the coaches before that have come around. I've done my best to get them on the radio and encourage and at least follow them, but I don't dive heavy into UNLV football. But this coach, as you talked about, trying to dig in with the high school teams here, nationally recruit on top of it, Allegiant Stadium, I'm so proud of Allegiant Stadium and what Mark Davis has done here, along with the city. This has got to work for UNLV football. It's got to be the difference in getting a recruit that's going to play at a place like Allegiant and go, you know something, that's enough for me. The program's okay, I like the coach, but I want to play in an atmosphere like that. Is that helping the program going forward? Does it feel different for you coming into this season for the Rebels?
0: So I think this is going to be the first kind of like four-year class that's had the ability to be recruited to the Fortita Football Complex on the campus and Allegiant Stadium, best facilities in the Mountain West. And you're dead on. You've got this great facility in Allegiant Stadium. Who wouldn't want to play on the Las Vegas Strip in a $2 billion stadium and with a pro team looking at you every step of the way to evaluate you Uh, for potentially joining the league, UNLV has a huge edge and it's going to be interesting to see how that evolves over time. It's not just going to be overnight. It's going to build through classes and, 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 and I think Barry Odom's the guy to get it done. So it's, it's going to get in very interesting here in the next few years.
3: Ray, have a good time. I know you'll be at the Gorman game, and there'll be a gold jacket on the sideline. I know there's going to be a lot of people, a lot of eyeballs at Fatita Field for this game. It's a big one, and we'll look for your preview and on top of your recap. And great to catch up with you again. We've got to do this more often.
0: Thank you so much for promoting the kids, JT. I appreciate you. You've
3: brother. got it. There's Ray Brewer. Does an unbelievable job in town here. There's so many people that do so many great jobs in this town, from MC work to the work that they do as journalists to, to being out there. But what Ray does is he helps these high school kids, and he gives them a showcase and gives them the ability to be seen. And that's a great legacy. He's got a, lot of go- he got a lot going on from the first time I worked with him, and I'm real proud of his success. Good guy, Ray Brewer there. Give him a follow there, and he's a guy that will tell you what's going to happen in high school football here better than anyone in town or one of the best in town because there's a few that are at the next level, and we'll see what Gorman does coming into this game. My sons are driving back from Phoenix. They're both out there today, and they're coming back to go to the game, so they'll be at that game, and I'm excited to see how this game plays out. If Gorman wins big, I mean big. By multiple touchdowns here, they're still going to have to wait on what happens with Modern Day. But the fact that they're not playing and what could happen if Modern Day runs the table, it's tough not to give them the mythical national championship. But I've always thought Modern Day has a tough schedule locally in Los Angeles that they're going to have to fight through. Hey, uh, Josh McDaniels was on Bussing with the Boys. I haven't downloaded the entire interview, but here's a piece of it. What about playing sound defense? Mm -hmm. Does he play a lot of that? (laughs)
2: <laughs> he does now, uh, yeah, but but you know that's a great question because you know when you have a guy when you have a guy like that, um, you you build your defense around people like that, mm-hmm. and so to try to take him and say hey just do this and don't be as good as you could be because it fits something on the whiteboard. I don't really know what you know what's the point of that. Yeah, when you have a guy like it's like saying hey Randy Moss. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to run some curls and some short routes because that's what we do. Right. Well, when you have Randy, you you go deep and you draw different routes that are different for him and then you build the rest of the offense around him. I'd say the same thing about Max with defense is, okay, in order for him to be as great as he can be, which would help our team, then we got to build the rest of it around him. So, hey, if we want to give him a little freedom to go inside or outside, that's fine as long as the rest of them know about it. Right, And that's what we're trying to do as we go into our second year here. We know him a lot more.
3: Uh, Josh McDaniels with busting with the boys and a good deep dive conversation. Those guys know Dave Ziegler really well, and that's a good interview there. Talking about Max Crosby and how to build the defense around Max so Max can be more valuable and I think be more productive. How do you make Max more productive? you got to get the double team off of him, and you need someone on the other side taking a double team from time to time, and that's why... They drafted a disruptor in Tyree Wilson, a guy who's supposed to play big. Chandler Jones has to play bigger than he's done in the past, and we're still waiting for these defensive tackles to do a big job. If they get a good pass rush up the middle and the rotation is good, so you can bring in Nestor Jade Silvera, get him out of the game, bring in someone else on second down, get him out of the game, keep rotating fresh bodies, one of these Byron Young defensive tackles are eventually going to click here. I don't care about the practice squad defensive tackles. I care that they're Raiders, once a Raider, always a Raider, I care about the tackles that make the team on the 54-man roster now and could possibly be pro bowlers. we got to find someone since Daryl Russell, may he rest in peace, that could come in here and have an impact. All right, so tonight I'll be the MC of the state of the team. If you're a Raider fan and you're a season ticket holder, you should know about it already. Uh, that'll be tonight at 5.30. It'll end at about 6.40. So it's a good hour. Uh, Sandra Douglas Morgan, the president of the team, will have a conversation with her to kick it off, and then we'll get Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler at the same time. I'll sit down with them on a stage inside the practice facility And we're going to talk. And we got a lot of videos that we're going to throw to. So we'll talk a couple questions, and then we'll throw to a video of training camp or a video of the draft, and then everyone will see some really good content. Then it'll come back to our discussion. We'll take a portion of that tomorrow and play it here on the radio. Really looking forward to seeing how that sounds on the radio because the Raiders are going to make it look really good for TV. But we'll have a piece of that tomorrow. Also, my brand-new podcast at JT and Looney. We're taking some of that tomorrow, about 15 minutes off. We're going to insert it into our last uh, Friday show of the preseason, I guess. On Tom Cruise, is he the greatest actor now of all time? Of all time. Did he pass Brando, De Niro? Did he pass them because of his dramatic work, which is excellent, but his stunt work and his action movies? I think it's clear now that Tom Cruise is a more successful action star than Schwarzenegger, and Stallone. So he's got that category, and he's got the category of Rain Man, A Few Good Men, Born on the Fourth of July, and Great Movies. How in God's name does Brad Pitt have an Academy Award not Tom Cruise? Tom Cruise is going to have to wait for one of those lifetime achievement ones. Looney and I broke it down with Jackson Murphy, the famed young film critic. We would talk interviewing him when he was 14 years old. Now he's 25. It was a good conversation. The podcast is up there, fresh and ready to go. JT and Looney, wherever you download your podcast. How hot is it today, Bobby? What's going on? I'm going to Palm Desert to play a little bit of golf over the weekend. It's normally hotter there than in Vegas. This heat wave. I thought we were done with the heat. It's back.
4: It sucks. It sucks for the Colts. It sucks for Jonathan Taylor, and it sucks for our fans. It, it just it does, and it's it's where we're at, and we've got to work through it, and we're
5: going to do everything we can to work through it. Relationships are repairable. They're repairable. It's Chris Ballard, the GM. Of the
3: Colts, and they're going through hell. You just heard him there about Jonathan Taylor will miss the first four games on the PUP list, and that relationship is not very good. JT, back with you. That would have been a break when people say, man, you don't like the schedule, huh? And I don't. You know what I would have loved on the schedule? Home opener, Indy. That would have been nice. How how cool would that have been? Home opener at Indy or, or Indy here. We don't have to face Jonathan Taylor. We face Anthony Richardson and the Raiders. But remember last year when the Raiders lost to Indy? Remember that fiasco and what happened there? That was that was a tough one for me. That one was really tough last year when that Colts. happened. And when you look at what happened last year, that game where they took someone from the TV studio to be the head coach for the game and they lost, wow, that was a tough one to stomach. And you just can't have things like that happen again this upcoming year. No doubt about that. So the Colts, it feels like a throwaway season. They're going to put out a quarterback and Anthony Richardson – who's going to be running for his life, running for his life, and he's going to make a lot of big throws. You're going to see some of the best highlights of the year are going to be from him. He's going to be running sideways and throwing across his body 70 yards for a touchdown here or there, I can promise you that. Uh, the Washington Commanders, their president, has got, is Jason Wright. He's the team president, and the big news today is they have no desire to change the franchise name from Commanders back to Redskins. They removed the Redskins' nickname in 2020 uh, for pushback here. Here's the president of the Washington Commanders.
2: Brian and I have both said that I don't ever see a return to the old name. Is is going back to the old name something that is on the table?
0: It is not being considered. At all. Period. Yeah,
3: they can't consider using the name again. They took the name down there, and then they put it back up. And I know the fans want it back up, but they're not considering it. And I don't think the new ownership wants to go down that road and alienate some fans. I don't think they want to do that. Here's Kyle Shanahan, who's getting a lot of heat. Look, I'm a big fan of Mike Shanahan. I know that there's been a rift. Mark Davis reached out to Mike Shanahan as a consultant at one time on a coaching hiring. Look, I just do a talk show. I play a lot of sound for a living. Kyle Shanahan now is getting a lot of heat because Nick Bosa— Still not there. He's holding out for a new contract, and a trade is not the option. There's no
4: way that you guys would consider trading Nick.
2: No. Yeah. I mean, I haven't talked to many people about that, but I know how I feel pretty strongly. And I think everyone would agree that.
3: Kyle does not seem to be in a good place, in my opinion. I think that there's a lot of 49er stress going on up there. Blogger on blogger crime. People, just, I mean, they got guys running around the Niners facility with credentials, doing podcasts and ripping on the coach. You think that would work around the Raiders? You think the Raiders would let people on their practice field and just sit there just destroying the coach and credentialed and in the press box? You have the right to have every opinion you want on anybody you want if you are in media. You can do whatever you want on a podcast. You can do whatever you want from home, and you can stream everything. But you want a credential? You want to be in the locker room? And you're not going to show any respect to the head coach or stir the pot all the time? Look, I mean, some people know how to push, how to push a little bit, and that's important in journalism. A lot of journalism have to push back on the team if the coach isn't doing well or if a player isn't playing well. But to make a mockery of it, and the Niners have just a bunch of people chirping all the time. It is a major market. Santa Clara is not San Francisco, but the Niners have a very large global fan base. Big media up there, bigger than Vegas, a lot bigger than Vegas. And, man, they are they are chippy all the time as of late. And I think Kyle is expecting that every day when he shows up there. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens. Bobby, do we have a moment of Gil Brandt to end the show? with his Hall of Fame speech. I know Gil Brandt passed away at ninety-one years old, and we just thought it would be you know cool to just play a moment of Gil Brandt when he got inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame.
5: Thank you all. It's been a great honor to be here this evening in historic Canton, Ohio, the birthplace of professional football. Who would have thought the Canton Bulldogs would have been the catalyst to lead us where we are today, with the National Football League being the biggest sports league in the world. And thank you to those who asked, no, I was not a scout for the Bulldogs. I would like to begin tonight by recognizing my family and thanking my beautiful wife, Sarah, my son, Hunter, and my wife, Callan, for always being at my side. With all the travel and long, long days in today's in, in in this industry, you have to have a supportive family, and I have been blessed to this very day. Thank.
3: You. All right, so that's Gil Brandt. Went in the show with him. Had a big impact on my life. Sports media, football, the Cowboys, the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and, and friends to many Raiders and Raider Hall of Famers. May Gil Brandt rest in peace. State of the team tonight, if you're going, hope to see you at the Raider facility. We'll have some of that tomorrow here on the radio. And then our Tuesday programming begins next week after being off on Labor Day. And we'll get you ready for the Bronco game as the Raiders open up on the road. Cue with a big show on deck. Have a great day, everybody. Be-ball.